airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center. You're in this fight, boys. You mark my words. There's no playbook here. We're gonna have to write it ourselves. We can't tell our enemies from our allies. Every step we take is on a minefield from a hundred wars. Anyone who tells you they've done this before is lying, sir. Fifty thousand Al Qaeda fighters. You're just an army of twelve. Once we land, we're teaming up with a warlord that we know nothing about. We take horses. We take My name's Sandy Kenyon. Welcome to the movies at the back of the cab. We just saw 12 Strong. Well, now we're 5 Strong. We're also giving it 5 Strong Stars. Wow. Who thought that uh, American Army Special Forces Green Berets and Horses would go to grab a, to create a great story of a movie that I enjoyed very much? I'm give Sandy it, Kenyon. I give it 5 bags of popcorn and love, a little horse. I love Sandy Kenyon as much as he loves... Literally any movie. <laughs> Go see it. Yeah. My, my review is that I like this movie. Nay. <laughs> Friends, we're here. It's Chapo. As you may have gathered, it's another movie episode. What are we exposing ourselves to this time on your behalf? Why it's the movie 12 Strong, a.k.a. Wow. the horse soldiers of Afghanistan. Hell yeah. Horse troops. The mounted horsemen of the American Green Beret and Special Forces. You guys are out there thinking, oh, I respect and I support the troops. I'm a good person. Well, fuck you. Were you supporting the horse troops? <laughs> if you weren't, you're a piece of shit. You weren't because we kept them a secret. Exactly. Because America doesn't appreciate its horse heroes. Yep, and you're a piece of shit for not respecting the horse troops. You know, I was talking to my friend, Cal, shout out to Cal about this, who's like, isn't it cool that we're so stupid we don't know the word cavalry anymore? We know it. It's just not as cool as horse soldiers. It uh, sounds like badass centaurs. Uh, these were uh, these were tactical dragoons. <laughs> Amber, we're so stupid we don't even know the term Calvary anymore. I'm talking about where Christ was crucified, folks. <laughs> I, I like the I like the idea that like there was just no tactical advantages to horses, but there was like a horse girl guy way high up in the Pentagon. Yeah, and he, he had like he had like a camo Lisa Frank binder that he was drawing horses in. He's you know, like, finally this, this is called movie. a Shetland pony. You cannot use it for dressage, but I do like their coats. It's like you will be attaching makeshift horns to your horses to create beautiful unicorns. But I was actually very upset because it took a really long time to get to the horses. We will register individually our, our many complaints of this movie is the lack of horses being chief among them. We are one, two, three, four, five strong today to uh, bring you the horse the podcasters. Horse soldier. We're podcasting from the backs of horses. <laughs> ow, ow, my balls. Um, you know, real Real Chapo heads know, of course, that the show started with the review of the Michael Bay movie, uh, 16 Hours, The Secret Soldiers 16 hours. of Benghazi. 16 Hours. That's what I said. Wrong. What? R- 13 Hours. 13 Hours? Okay. There's, there's numbers involved. Matt, I think your uh, hall monitor sash has caught in the couch <laughs> right now. 
I just know that the fans would howl and hoot if they heard you. You're the fan. I'm glad you did first. I'm glad you did first. (laughs) I've got to be their voice. I am your voice. Your whiny, pedantic voice. People who screech and howl and bang their heads when they hear a mispronunciation or a misstated fact on the show. I am your voice. Yeah, the purposely forgotten man. Wait, I thought the show I thought the show started in Langley, Virginia when some American intelligence officers had the idea of a way to destabilize the American left. Well, the, our dry run was appearing on Street Fight to review 13 hours. Now that was later. Uh That was after Project Arcturus began. We <laughs> we've later gone on to review uh American Sniper um and and discuss film uh fi- films in recent cinema history that depict American history that depict our Star Wars, our Infinity Wars, our wars on the media. Our I, wars on the ghosts. <laughs> yeah, our, Afghan- the eternal war on ghosts. <laughs> Afghanistan, of course, being an Infinity War. You know, yeah. if you said the ghost... Ooh. Hunt- oh, ooh. Wow. <laughs> Searing. Oh, okay, okay. You want to you fucking play, dude? Okay, check this out. Our lives were so simple. We used to look up the IMDB for Omar Sharif. Now we worry about Mazari Sharif. <laughs> <laughs> That is funny because I actually did look up Omar Sharif's IMDb just last week. So Felix is uh, on my wavelength. Keeping in my window. So, yeah, uh, this sort of thing we talked about. uh, There is now this movie, 12 Strong, came out in January of this year. That is officially the month now where there is a war on terror, meathead, propaganda extravaganza. We've had this. We've had... 13 hours. Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor. We have had American Sniper. Next year, we have uh, Gran Torino 2, where the racist car is back, and it's going to Afghanistan. Yes. (laughs) No one's ever tried just calling these people the (laughs) N-word. So, yeah, January is now, it seems Hollywood turns out one movie a year that uh, dramatizes the very recent past in our various wars on terror um, as you know, service to the military-industrial complex and the uh, imperial propaganda machine that is our media. Yes, and enter- it's Hollywood media entertainment unto complex, Caesar, as yeah. it were. Um, so we decided to check out this one. We've been meaning to watch this movie ever since I think we saw a trailer for it in theaters when we were for another movie we were reviewing. Probably, probably the the Justice Wars. The Wonder the Woman Wars. <laughs> <laughs> They're called Pride Wars. <laughs> So, uh, and now, finally, we checked it out. So, this movie is 12 strong. It takes place in the very weeks following 9-11, and it, it depicts the uh, 12 American Special Forces ops who went across Green the border. motherfucking berets. Into Afghanistan to work with the Northern Alliance and basically point lasers at columns full of Taliban and blow the shit out of them with B-52 bombers. You know, but they use horses! Amber brought up uh, the war on ghosts, and if you literally sent the fucking assholes from Ghost Hunters who use PSPs and Game Boy Advances to think they can detect the supernatural, you sent them over there and said, if you point this at anything, you can blow it up, we would have the same result in Afghanistan. You have the same movie. So let's start by going, going around. First reactions, critiques, impressions of 12 Strong. I will begin by saying... Uh, its greatest crimes are, of course, being a piece of um, uh, imperial propaganda that glorifies the war on terror and Afghanistan. But its chief crime, in my opinion, is criminally underutilizing the talents of Michael Shannon in what would otherwise mm. be a leading role in this movie. 
he is off screen for what seems like hours at a time, and when he does is on screen, has very little to do or say that is noteworthy at all. So twelve strong, guilty of Michael Shannon crimes. Matt, I loved it. I, it made me want to get a horse soldier <laughs> of my own. <laughs> you wanted to become a horse soldier, girl. I want to get a horse soldier for my own home to protect me from <laughs> Taliban attackers. Yeah, you see, regular people use soldiers as companion dogs, but they get scared easily because of certain things they did. So they need companion dogs, and the companion dogs get PTSD for being the companion dogs to the soldier, and they need like companion hamsters, and it just <laughs> shit trickles down, man. And that's why there are so many rescue pit bulls. Yeah, <laughs> because pit bulls are the lowest totem of the dog universe. No, it's a it's a very bad movie, and my main my main criticism. I mean, once again, stipulating that it is awful propaganda. From just an entertainment perspective, my problem was that it had absolutely no visual flair or point of view at all. It was incredibly flat. It could have been a TNT series or something. Yeah. It was very, very visually uninspiring. It had none of the sweaty intensity of a Michael Bay or even a Peter Berg. I was, I was longing for some Dutch angles, some swooping close-ups of sweat-drizzled faces. None of that. Just very basic uh shots and choices it really reminded me it's like a bunch of guys go into like an impossible mission on a helicopter and whenever i see that in the movie i can't help but think of predator yeah and how just the brilliant filmmaking and screenwriting in that movie within two minutes of that movie you establish every single character and they stand out in your mind instantly this movie took two hours and i didn't know who the fuck any of these guys were. no not at all a single witty one-liner at all you know, no one told us there was no good, you know. Where's our stock characters? Yeah, where's exactly. our snappy nerd? Yeah, where's, where's our sarcastic uh, tough guy? Where's, where's the our silent racial one that stereotypes? Grows on us? You know? Hey, they call me Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that guy was nowhere to be seen. Uh, oh, yeah. There was one guy who, as, as, as Felix pointed out, looked like Terry Richardson. <laughs> and that was basically it. They were totally interchangeable. One guy looked like an ass McShit success win beard. Uh, See, I thought man. Dave Navarro. But n- n- none of them stood out at all. The Northern Alliance is all about living moss, and we're here to help them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the soldiers all looked like vibes, guys. They all looked like they were going to go, how are you living, brother? It's so good to see you. A lot so, of yeah, shoulder rubbing. The, the, the lead actor in the film was Chris Hemsworth, uh, Horse Thor in this movie, uh, Michael Shannon backing him up in a completely thankless, forgettable role, and Michael Pena is the only other star in the movie. Yeah, That's about it. The rest it. of them they're, are they're, they're, they're like, absolutely interchangeable. Completely interchangeable. Oh, the, uh, the great character actor William Fitchner shows up looking like he's at Oof. stage four oh, as God, their sort yeah. of like, yeah. you know, uh, rear base you know, guy on the other end of the He's phone. He's giving them orders, and you expect him to have a chemotherapy rig strapped to him, injecting him with drugs. He looked like he was on his last fucking legs. Uh, he looked like Roy Cohn in Angels in America. <laughs> Fitchner is a very, like, striking-looking guy, and you right. always notice him when he's in a movie. Sharp, sharp features. Very sharp face. And in this one, it took me a second to realize it, because it was like he was so gaunt and bald and completely... It's like he had alopecia yeah, or something. it was, was pretty completely bad hairless. Maybe he was playing a real... Uh, Bald general. Right. He looked like a, a grub worm in a uniform. <laughs> uh, Virgil, your, your thoughts? Well, the one thing I object to the most would probably have to be how it dehumanizes Muslims in every frame. That was the big one. But otherwise, I was pretty upset by the lack of wisecracks. You know, <laughs> interesting, flavorful dialogue. Yeah. I mean, a terrible movie like Michael Bay's Transformers. 
does more in the opening seconds of introducing a bunch of troops, most of whom will be killed uh, with Josh Toomammel's troops uh, in that movie than in this one because they're, they're in a train. And I even remember this. They're on an airplane, and one of them is going, I can't wait to get my grandma's etouffee. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, Chateaubriand. And then a, 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 a redheaded guy with glasses goes, ah, I, I, I wish I was at Fedway Park drinking a beer and having a, having a hot dog. And then a and guy then, with a perfectly symmetrical haircut is like, I can't wait to get back on Kinja. Yeah. And you just like, you guys, I, I already have more stripes. about these characters than anything that happened in this movie. Well, instead, the what passed for comic relief was the, the manly banter among the oh. horsemen, which was like sub-Imger comment level type of humor. At one point, one of the interchangeable guys says to the other one, who do you think would win in a fight, Margaret Thatcher or Queen Elizabeth? And the other guy shakes his head and goes, where the fuck do you come up with random stuff like oh, that? He- yeah, it's like if you brought this stuff to like, you know, nine gag or something, they'd be like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> this is so unfunny. It's like the writers of this movie, if they see Epic Mealtime, their brain will, will overdose on serotonin. They cannot even conceive of something that funny. Sorry, your first thoughts and reactions to the film. Oh, you know what? I, I just realized what this genre of movie is. This is a Christian Amin poor ass movie. <laughs> You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's no, like, I do. I do. Yeah, right. It's like, Christiana Ampour, if you've watched CNN, she's like very serious. It's like, it's a very serious interview with, you know, Christine, Christine Lagarde or something. And you're supposed to think it's good journalism just by virtue of it being incredibly boring. And that's what this genre of movie is. It's so dull. It has such little character and so little actual suspense because you don't give a fuck about any of the characters. You're like, oh, this is good because it's not very interesting to me. There's nothing exciting in it. It has this air of like self-seriousness and uh, a very sharp global sense of moral grays where it's like, oh, well, uh, you know, prima facie, we should be in Afghanistan. That's good. But sometimes it's we upset the people of Afghanistan. Just something to think about. <laughs> you ever thought about that? That sometimes war is hard. No, we should 100% be there. But war, you know, sometimes people die. And there's just no actual moral, underlying moral current. It's just, you know, hey, just asking questions. Overall, it's a movie just, that reminds us that we live in a society. Yeah, well, we live in a society movie is like limitless or something. Okay. Those actually like go for something. This is just it's just plopping a bunch of olive drabs at your feet and going, well, what do you think, Amber? Not enough horses. <laughs> <laughs> not enough horses at all. <laughs> not enough horses. The horses were not developed. You saw no one have a relationship with the horse except Daddy once, one time. The guy they were working with, who's now the vice president of Afghanistan, uh, he like kisses his horse on the forehead once. Uh, but other than that, not nearly enough horse character development, not enough horse close-ups, uh, not enough horse action shots. It really buried the horses in this one. Not Which is only- weird because their mission, as I understood it from watching the film, was that they had to fuck every horse in Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I gathered. Not I only really that, when, paying attention. When, I was, uh, when we were getting ready to watch this movie and I was walking over here thinking about it, I would have been willing to bet there would have been at least one scene where, like, they call in an airstrike and then one of their horses dies, and then, like, Chris Hemsworth yes! is like, Some no! attachment to the horse? For f- <laughs> I mean, look, it's a sentimental movie already. Why not 
add some kind of dimension to the horse with part of it. Otherwise, it's just a dumb movie a where you're really underutilizing. You're underutilizing the horses and Michael Shannon. That's criminal. They, just, they, they ride the horse. They get sent into Afghanistan by a low-flying helicopter. And then they meet up with the Northern Alliance guys. Then they get the horses. They take the horses through some mountain pass to a camp and then that's kind of it until the very end of the movie with the horses there's not a lot of horse action there's not shots of these guys who don't know how to ride horses learning how to ride horses there's no of them bonding with the horses they just take them from A to B I feel like this was a bait and switch for women (laughs) take your girlfriend to the movie the horses horses. bitches love horses (laughs) and it's true we do be loving horses I yeah you know you almost wish for Bush era culture because if this movie came out in like oh totally two thousand five cowboy shit yeah like the world's most beautiful charming nice horse t- just turned into fucking biryani by a technical <laughs> and then just like forty five minutes straight of B fifty two smashing Taliban <laughs> and it's like we'll never get that horse back but we can oh we found we found the horses babies there are gonna be more horses for the children of Afghanistan. <laughs> Like that, you know, they did that. It's like if this okay, was cool, made man. during Bush era, they would have given a horse an Oscar. <laughs> yes, yes, and they, and they, we, the nation would have fallen in love. With like, the they'd lead be like, Michael horse. Moore, don't you fucking look at that horse, you piece of shit. <laughs> Michael, Moore's, you wanted him to die. Michael Moore is on stage, just being like, uh, uh, you know, we're in the position of uh, a documentary of telling truth, and this war is a lie, Mister Bush. And then it just like clumps on stage. And there's a guy with a sword and on it, just, just, like, just yeah. cuts him down, on, and they're like, clump the stage twice if you support the people of Afghanistan. Silver. That's literally what it was like in America until like 2005. <laughs> it was the most psychotic <laughs> time ever in a world. My friend was telling me uh, <laughs> about that actually. He was talking about like sort of like online pylon culture. He's like, oh yeah, it's bad. He's like, but you should have tried being anti in the anti war movement Ooh, yeah. right after. He's you, like, you don't even know what kind of a pariah you were. People went insane. They you fired get, Phil Donahue. Yeah, poor like, Phil. Online, you would get like, you would get like, if you posted like on a message board, not even like, I'm totally against the war, blah, 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 I'm against empire. You were like, we shouldn't invade Iraq. Guys named like, Lord, you fucking Lord Pancake Beard or whatever <laughs> would be like, you fucking piece of shit! And an admin would ban you. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah, and, and and you had those kind of raging, bellowing idiots, but even, even the logical, reasonable guys were all about you can't see the evidence of Iraq's pattern of avoiding sanctions that are clearly establishing a weapons program. Did the, you listen to Colin Powell, you idiot? That's how crazy Fallujah was. It totally turned the tide of my forum that I posted on and and in my IRC. It just went so poorly that we were like, you know what? Fuck these guys. Well, I, obviously, Iraq was later. This is a movie that takes place literally in the weeks after 9-11. The as, good as, invasion, as, yeah, the, as the Obama good, said. Yeah. Uh, I'm not against war. I'm against stupid war. War in Afghanistan? That was very smart. So the the, the movie opens with... Tuesday morning, we all never forget. I'm talking about 9-11. The movie opens with 9-11. Chris Hemsworth's kids are watching Alvin and the Chipmunks, and they're like, we interrupt this children's cartoon for a very important bulletin. 
Oh, wait, the movie actually begins with a montage that yes. goes yes. back to the, 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 the original 93 World Trade Center bombing, which, like, like I said... That's a little more underground. A lot of kids you know, don't know about obscure. that. Day. The guy with the hook, you know? Big, Notorious B.I.G. was not a psychic, kids. <laughs> he was referencing something that happened in 1993. Then there is the Kobar uh, Towers bombing yep. in... Uh, where is that, in Kenya? Uh, no, there was the embassy no, no, bombing. The embassy and, bombing. And, yeah, and, and, the, uh, and then yeah. when uh, and then the coal Al Qaeda hit the USS J. Cole, <laughs> the most lyrical <laughs> ship in the Navy, they hit it. So uh, they're establishing that America was at war with a secret force that they couldn't understand. So and then they showed well before nine eleven, they showed a clip of Vladimir Putin saying, "Yeah, that was odd. Something bad's going to happen. They're they're going to strike." Well, I, I was wondering if like. The sort of resistance paranoiac people had gotten into the actually the only reason why we were in Afghanistan was because of Russia. Because mm. like I, I'm sure they would try and like twist that, right? Yeah. If they have Well, that's the thing, is you can take that either way. So if you're a maggot shed who loves Putin now, you watch this movie and you go, Yep, see, he was trying to warn us. He knew damn it, Bill Clinton didn't pay attention. Yeah, that's what But I if thought. you're a resistance person, you see that and you're like, aha. The Russian bear leaves yes. his trap. Yeah, He's yeah. showing yeah. his hand. And I see you, sir. And the other thing they show, and everyone forgets this, was two days before 9-11, the head of the uh, National Northern Alliance was assassinated by the Taliban. Yes. That's important for this movie, because yes. much of the plot of the movie deals with these, this, this Northern Alliance and all of their internal politics and shenanigans. Before we get into uh, the plot <laughs> of this film and the mission itself, I'd like to do, do another round robin. Where were you guys when 9-11 happened? Fans of the show will remember I was using drugs for self-care. But uh, where were you when the world stopped turning? How about, how about the rest of you guys, Amber? Do you remember yeah, where you were? I was in. <laughs> I was trying to tell Felix this earlier, but it is kind of true. Uh, I was in math class, and I surprise skipped grades in math, and uh, so I was around these much like older students, and and then my other friend who skipped grades, and he turned on the closed circuit normally closed circuit tv because they were doing like a live feed of it or whatever and we were watching it and we we're like oh shit what happened and we we're like oh wow someone's really bad at flying <laughs> like i'm not kidding we yeah. were just like clearly this is a mistake is mr magoo flying that plane? yeah and then we saw the second one hit and uh and we were like oh shit and then we saw fall and everything and we didn't have any conception i think we thought it was like a you know, McVeigh type situation or something mm. because we didn't quite know about Islamophobia yet. Well, we all would learn. <laughs> yeah. We all would learn. We had a crash course in the next 12 hours. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it was super fucked up. And I remember my mom turning into uh, Stan's mom in that South Park episode where she just becomes pre-verbal and melts to the couch and can't stop watching 24-hour news. It was a good time for news. Do you guys have any uh, memorable 9-11 stories? I was in high school. I just remember uh, they brought out the TVs and we just got to watch TV all day, which is pretty dope. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, popping a celebratory bottle of champagne in our underground bunker, me and the rest of the Delta Sector boys, <laughs> on a successful uh, application of the thermite plasma uh, spray to the exterior uh, girders of the World Trade Center. <laughs> And also all of the detonation cords that we'd wrapped around the pillars of Building 7. Felix, weren't you supposed to be at the World Trade Center that day, but you got a call? No, Felix was, <laughs> like, my I'll dad, Felix was like, I'll never forget oversleeping that day and letting all my boys down. Um, 
I uh, we're actually retconning my age for the Twitch stream, so for all intents and purposes, <laughs> I wasn't born yet. <laughs> Just a regular seventeen-year-old kid on Twitch with my friends. <laughs> so, like I said, the, the, the one thing I do remember, Felix it didn't happen to me, but I like to believe it did because it's so funny. Is that a friend of mine heard? And this is all hearsay, but I believe it in my heart, is that in the town where I was, there's a restaurant chain. It's a Midwestern restaurant chain for uh, delicious Mexican food called Taco John's. Oh, Taco John's. Uh, famed for their potato olays. And uh, as anyone will remember, 9-11 was on a Tuesday. And my friend heard a person, a man at the Taco John's, who in the middle of everyone absorbing the information that they were hearing about this attack, said incredulously, is it still Taco Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that that Taco John's was like some of the gas stations in the area was just jacking up prices. <laughs> Said, no, tacos are $500. <laughs> I'd like to think that someone just sort of like stoically nodded, maybe like wiped his hair away from their eye and be like, It'll always be Taco Tuesday. <laughs> that was or the terrorists win. That was people's favorite thing on nine eleven. People who were like, you know, look, we live in another big city in America, Council Bluffs, Iowa. We maybe <laughs> we we may be hit next. Just like the bravest thing we can do is keep living our lives. Yeah, exactly. We just keep doing exactly what we're doing now. If I stopped having this affair and cheating on my wife, it's almost like the terrorists would win. Man, it was so easy to have an affair in two thousand one. I got to figure that a lot of people decided to say fuck it and have affairs. If not on 9-11, then shortly after that when the first anthrax letters were found. It was called terror sex. And I swear to God, someone wrote an article about this, I think for the New Yorker, about being in Midtown or something and basically doing a booty call and then just fucking. Oh, God. Imagine just shoving someone's like orange pastel iMac off a desk and just knocking their boots. <laughs> God, I wish just I, coming together. I wish I was, you know, born around that time. <laughs> so our heroes of the movie are, of course, uh, the dreams, the troops, also in real life, the 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 the, yeah, the the best of the best, the Green Berets. Nine Eleven happens. They know what's going down. They want in on the fight. Our main character, Chris Hemsworth, he's just like I don't know retired or something or he's put in transferring his... to a staff job oh okay and then he's like he rips up his transfer papers because he's like Fuck that it. was a, that was the older one right he was supposed to re retire then no, michael no. shannon was supposed to retire they both, yeah. one of them was supposed to get a different job and i think michael shannon was supposed to retire and they're both saying ah no <laughs> chris hemsworth is the sort of young green officer who's nonetheless respected by his men shannon is the more grizzled sergeant with yep. combat experience uh, but, you know, Hemsworth, you know, he doesn't have any combat experience, which later comes into play in the movie. Right, and they need to pick a captain for the horse mission. Yeah. Uh, and they, they pick between uh, five men with uh, 100 years of experience among them, which is really interesting to me because I'm trying to think of, like, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're an older officer in 2001, what kind of experience did you have? <laughs> Grenada, the Iraq War, which took, like, what? Two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Um, um, standing around... Uh, an occupied hamburger Bosnia in Bos Bosnia. Bosnia, yeah, tail hook. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Panama oh, just standing outside the Vatican consulate playing fucking Van Halen <laughs> waiting for Noriega oh, to come Contra. out. <laughs> we need we need someone with 20 years of experience lying to Congress. <laughs> they I mean uh, what you don't remember is like anyone who is too young to have joined the military during Vietnam but like old enough to be sort of like a low or mid-level officer at that time or NCO. They were former Arkansas State troopers who saw combat experience murdering people <laughs> for, Bill, for Bill Clinton in the early 90s. And flying cocaine yeah. into the uh, Mina yeah. airport. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, so Chris, Chris Hemsworth got that gig by killing Vince Foster. Yeah. <laughs> no, Chris Hemsworth actually gets the gig by kicking over like a, a, a cabinet in <laughs> yeah, his office. Yeah, when they tell him something, he gets super pissed and they're like, well, that's all we need. You're our new pissed sergeant. Here's some new unreleased Eminem tracks that haven't even hit LimeWire yet. Let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we're, we're giving you the uh, official pat, the official government pass to use LimeWire legally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so going into the Afghanistan. Men, the men were just talking. We know you haven't seen combat, but the way that you kicked that wall, you were so pissed. You're ready. So we know it's going down. There's a little bit of perfunctory, just the, the barest perfunctory introduction of the three main characters' spouses. Yeah. And the, like the sort of the going away to war scene. You come that, back to me, uh, you yeah. hear? And, and now, and, I, ble- I believe Michael Pena's wife is just like, uh-uh, you're not getting any uh, nookie before you go away because, you know, you got to be fighting strong to kill yeah, those Taliban. Yeah, you got to be up to <laughs> be horny to bring to death. Reedless Estrada. And then... Uh, this and is the- before, like, the Volsol technology had really developed, but it was kind of an introductory period. By yeah. Volsol technology, you mean jacking off? <laughs> Uh, and this the, was before the soldiers discovered jacking off. And in, 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 in the first of um, many, many bitterly ironic moments in the movie that it's ludicrous to think the writers and producers of the movie weren't aware of when they wrote it, but seemingly included in the movie anyway, uh, is when Pena says, oh, if that's the case, this war is going to be over before you know it. It's going to be over in two weeks. Which is funny because that war is still going on right now. Well, we did that throughout the movie. Too. Yeah. We ended the war where we fought like Taliban one. They're our friends now. Taliban two. Yeah, Taliban two. The Taliban two war is like pretty new. Um. So again, we dispense of the pleasantries here in America. Okay. Here's my idea for a better movie, and it should have diverged right at that point. You see the nine eleven happen, and you know all the all the all the soldiers are riled up, and then it's the night before they're deployed, and they're you know in bed with their wives and a pillow talk and all that shit, and then they they go off, and their wives see them off. And then right away they go, we're all going to get laid. And the whole rest of the movie is one of those rowdies, ladies' night type movies about military wives just sucking and fucking. It's like a Rebel Wilson movie. She would be one of them. And Anna Kendrick would be like the one who's kind of on the fence about it, but she gets charmed by by an anti-fuck guy. (laughs) Folks. Yeah, we we call the boys on the home front horse soldiers for a different reason. <laughs> Eight and a half strong. <laughs> um, unfortunately, they didn't make that movie. Hollywood isn't ready to do a movie about the real heroes, the wives who cheat on their husbands when they go to war, and their boyfriends. <laughs> yeah, and their boyfriends. Yeah. Um, so instead, we get a movie about a team of guys flown over the Hindu Kush mountains in a rickety-ass helicopter that seemed very dangerous and uh, unsafe. They all got hypoxic because there was no oxygen masks and they were flying a helicopter at 25,000 feet. Dude, that was kind of cool. Which you're just not supposed to do. And they're like, ah, it's fine. I thought that was like the... Soldiers are like dogs. You give them just a little Dramamine for a car trip. (laughs) 
It's like they're like the Mitt Romney dogs in this case. They're freezing their asses off up there. I thought that was basically the only cool scene in the movie. That was a cool scene. I was like, oh, this is kind of And they neat. say, you know, oh, well, helicopters, a Chinook has never flown at 25,000 altitude before. Which is funny because if the military just does that constantly, no wonder their helicopters keep crashing. Military? Just like, yeah, just throw a helicopter and see what happens. Oh, my Let's God. See the, what she can do. They, the military loves crashing helicopters. <laughs> it's like their favorite thing to do. That's like what's cops that, to dogs. Yeah. What, what's, that, what's that plane that has like the, the rotating rotor? Oh, Osprey. That, that, that's killed more soldiers than like the Taliban has yeah. in the last 10 years. Yeah, follow the white rabbit. All these accidents are not coincidences. QAnon, Dude, follow you, the rabbit. If you really wanted to get get like Jerome Corsi book sales, you would like make a graph where it's like amount of H one visas for engineers uh, coming to America from like Pakistan and shit, and then deaths from the Osprey. That's uh, the most Jerome Corsi shit you could do. Like they're infiltrating our engineering departments and making <laughs> shitty planes to put soldiers in, and they made the F thirty five to bilk the military. Dude, if you want to be a neo bircher, I just gave you a fucking golden ticket. Pay off, pay off your fucking grad school debt this way. No one's going to listen to your podcast. They already have ours. All right, man. We never tested this before, but we're pretty sure that we can fly the helicopter underwater as long as it's upside down. <laughs> so strap on. Uh, we are testing the military's first double jump over the Grand Canyon. Uh, at the apogee of your jump, Sergeant, jump again. <laughs> we're drawing a real life Tanuki suit. It was $3 trillion. <laughs> <laughs> we have lost 750 soldiers attempting the mushroom power-up. does not create a bigger soldier. <laughs> well, of, of, of course, because you're... thousands uh, of raccoons. <laughs> uh, you are on a top-secret mission to try to jump on an Al-Qaeda commander's head to kill him. No one has ever tried this. <laughs> We had an idea for like a really funny fake stupid dead talk by like a former army guy, but he's like the army guy who wears glasses, so he's smart, and he's like the first few weeks of war are a shooter. Pretty good because we're the best shooter players in the world. <laughs> but then we have to play civilization. <laughs> but you can't help but wonder maybe it would be better if we tried to play the Sims. Let me explain. <laughs> and then the crowd just like fucking ejaculates. Uh, I'm wondering if this uh, war on terror isn't Dark Souls because of how hard it is. Am I right? <laughs> oh, uh, it sure feels like we've been in Afghanistan for a fortnight or ten. <laughs> we got a real jet ski level from Battletoads going on. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Brian Gar. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Gar claims to have been Battletoads. I'm not going to challenge him. Uh, this war started off as Battlefield One, but we're in Battlefield bad company because there are a lot of bad soldiers let's be honest <laughs> nailed it okay how do we how do we exit this riff we, we, uh, we, we are requesting extraction from this riff <laughs> we, we need a helo and blowing smoke all podcasters will pass out if we go this high in a riff so our heroes uh they make it into afghanistan and their mission is to link up with a northern alliance commander named general um Dotson. General Daddy. He is very much the daddy of this movie. He's a silver fox. Yeah, he is a silver fox. He's a real person who is now a vice president of Afghanistan. Oh, no, they meant that the actor is the vice president. The <laughs> okay. real guy died. Um, they God, meet up. I hate it when Hollywood tries to get into politics. <laughs> they meet up with a Northern Alliance commander. And now here's, here's, here's where a critical flaw, if we forget in the, you know, political valence of this movie. I mean, just as a movie, as a war movie, as an entertaining spectacle. 
the problem is essentially with their mission to begin with. Because I know that the movie is billed as 12 strong, you know, a ragtag team, the Dirty Dozen, standing yeah. up against an entire army of Taliban. Underdogs. But their real mission in this is to just let the Northern Alliance show them where the Taliban are, paint the target with laser, laser designators, and then just have B-52 bombers blow the shit out of everything. Yeah, they had total their, air superiority. Their job was pointing. Yeah, it was the easiest gig ever. If you had a video game where your character had that kind of power, like that kind of firepower and that kind of ability to call in an overwhelming airstrike at any moment, the game would be panned for being incredibly easy and boring. It's just not a challenging mission. Oh, absolutely. But they have to make it that way because America's cultural industry is largely based on the premise of turning Goliath into David at any point that we can no, Grenada was the tutorial level, and Afghanistan was level one. Have you noticed that so many of our recent war movies are like the screenwriters desperately searching for like a, a book that some ex-soldier wrote that's like, uh, the one time a mission was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. They're just so desperate for those And stories. in this one, it, it still wasn't that hard, but they're like, hey, they had to ride horses. That's tough, right? So at about, we actually clocked this. 34 minutes into the movie is when we the first horse appears. And it was awful. Yeah. And by then we had only heard from Michael Shannon like twice. Yeah. Oh, Shannon had no character. Why at even all. use your Shannon bucks on him? Like <laughs> yeah. you're going to give him those lines and that much little of the stage presence. Yeah. Well, and like spoiler alert, but he fucking dies. And like, we're all just, no, he, no, he does not die. Well, we think he's going <laughs> to die. And, we, and we're all fucking like miserable watching the screen, not because we became attached to the character, but because he's really the only interesting actor on the screen. Like, I would probably watch him in a Tyler Perry movie, to be honest. I'm always happy. Are you to kidding? That would be that, that would rule. Oh, my God. Tyler Perry, if you're listening, yeah. please cast Michael Shannon. Medea, you, you are an outrageous woman. <laughs> really, really underused Shannon, who so, is a delight. Uh, so, so a lot of the interplay is between uh, the, the time the movie's not focusing on Michael Shannon. What it is doing is focusing on Chris Hemsworth and uh, General Daddy, the Northern Alliance commander. And it's this sort of, uh, you know, uh, Orientalist narrative whereby a white guy um, has some sort of father figure of, of Eastern origin. Which would have made more sense if Chris Hemsworth's father had, like, died or something. No, you know, they, yeah, that? they introduced a Mr. Miyagi with no actual paternal tension. And, and uh, General Daddy is sort of like, you don't have killer's eyes. You must have a warrior's heart. And the movie's about him sort of learning to both um, kill uh, without conscience or feeling and also to develop a warrior's heart. It's about him learning to uh, paint the laser targets better and more efficiently <laughs> yeah, 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 to yeah. kill more people from uh, the uh, outer atmosphere. <laughs> You're not pointing fast enough. You're not a real warrior. Um, the, other, so, the other thing is like, there's all this requisite shit of uh, bringing up the graveyard of empires and pointing out how uh, everyone got owned here before. Not us, though. Yeah, and that is the funniest thing because... The audience for this film presumably knows that we're still in Afghanistan. Taliban rules most of it. It's totally restive. There's been no flowering democracy. We haven't saved the women of Afghanistan from oppression or any of the shit that got sold on this. And yet you're still supposed to take them seriously when they say this battle is going to determine the future of Afghanistan. It's like, yeah, wow, it would be terrible if it was an absolute war zone a decade and a half later. Well, you, you bring up... Um 
the, the movie has one scene that reminds you why we're fighting. Actually, two scenes. Right before Chris Hemsworth goes into the helicopter to like take off over the mountains to start the mission, uh, William Fitchner's character goes, the most important thing a man brings into battle is a reason why. Here's yours. It's a piece of the Twin Towers. And he literally gives him a shard of the World Trade Center, and he's like, 19 men attacked our country a couple weeks ago. We're sending you 12 over the border to strike back. What if it's just like a piece of his driveway? (laughs) (laughs) It's the reason why that matters, Amber, and that's why he's a good commander. My my shitty son chipped the new pavement. That's so so pathetic. If you're going to go full medieval Catholic relic uh, worship, you know, make it. This is a FDNY guy's finger bone. Yeah, you know, yeah. make it like actually as ghoulish. That and priest who died on nine eleven. Yeah, yeah, a piece of that guy. This reminds me. I think I've maybe mentioned it on the show before, but like to me, one of the peak moments of like early aughts American nationalistic war on terror idiocy was former New York Governor George Pataki when they pulled he down was that governor s- at the time. He was governor. No, you know, I mean, he was governor at the time. I mean, former now. Anyway, okay. uh, Governor George Pataki. Uh, when the Saddam Hussein statue in the middle of Baghdad was torn down and, you know, we all, they were all hitting it with their shoes or whatever. Pataki went on TV and said, I think we should melt that, tower, that statue down and put it in the rebar to rebuild the new Twin Towers. Hell yeah, fuck you, Saddam Hussein, and your fucking 9-11 doing, you mean the piece of shit? It's yeah. not even like that. It's like he's a Bushwick Wiccan. Yep. <laughs> no, conser- yeah, conservatives think like, think like statues and rebar are enchanted. And, oh. like, the, the reason that we're still in Afghanistan is we didn't bring enough, like, shards of 9-11 with oh us to God. unleash level 10. Holy fuck. I just remember the most infuriating thing about this movie was the very final title card that mentioned that there's a statue dedicated to these horse soldiers at World Trade Center Plaza right now. We should go see that ugly yeah. statue. Yeah. Let's go pay our respects to the horse soldiers. No, what happened was on 9-11, they scattered all the pieces of the World Trade Center all around <laughs> the world, and our troops had to acquire each one and put them back together. If you get all seven pieces of the World Trade Center and form the Black Eagle coin, you can you have one wish. You have a and wish. You, know, you have to bring back, you use it to bring back Chris Kyle and finally win the war on terror. No, you use it to make property developer Donald Trump president. <laughs> They're like, oh no, we got the 9-11 shards. We got our fucking wish. <laughs> Cut to Donald Trump just screaming at the kid mowing the lawn in the White House. <laughs> the other moment. You mean the 9-11 shards? Obama chuckled. <laughs> <laughs> Ob- Obama's, Obama's previously swindled a patriot out of the seventh shard. Uh, just let me hold the other six you uh, like the seventh shard that only I possess, you can he, keep he, it. He's, 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 <laughs> he's, uh, Obama blew his wish with the 9-11 dragon because he's like, the dragon's like, uh, I can grant you one <laughs> wonderful wish, Barry Sotero. And he's like, uh, no, you can't. You didn't build that. If you like your shard, you can keep it. <laughs> the, the other moment. He thinks there's 57 shards. <laughs> Uh, the uh, the other He's moment looted the dragon with a latte. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. The uh, the the other moment in the film that uh, reminds you why we fight is uh, the only scene where they attempt to characterize the villain, who's the uh, Taliban commander. Also, daddy. Yeah, very daddy. Ashtons are fucking hot. Um, he's the Taliban commander, 
And there's a scene where it's like in some village they're occupying and they have some woman like on her knees or whatever and, and uh, her daughter's lined up. And I thought she was the teacher. Te- I thought it was the mother. Well, she's was teaching, was the mother, I she's think. teaching either her kids or someone's kids surreptitiously. Yeah, she, okay, he's, yeah, yeah. he's teaching girl and like the, the Taliban guy uh, quizzes these girls by asking them what a giraffe is and what like three times nine is. Easy, easy <laughs> shit. I got them all. <laughs> and these girls are smart enough. You've been so dead. They're like, smart <laughs> enough to answer the questions correctly, but not smart enough to realize that that means their mom's going to get killed. Yeah. Um, what is a giraffe? Correct. Well, yeah, I'll to- take potent potables, Mr. Taliban. Well, you have to remind the audience why the Taliban was the bad guys, because none of this makes sense otherwise. Yes. And because, well, we drove out the guys who banned girls from school, we posted in the guys who love molesting underage boys and dealing insane amounts of heroin. Oh, my God. What is it with you people? They hate kids or love them too much. (laughs) Make up your mind. (laughs) So... Uh, yeah, we get a scene of the, the Taliban guy executing a woman for uh, teaching girls to read. And at one point, the uh, general daddy character says that, like, you know, when I ruled over this part of northern Afghanistan, you know, we had movies. Women didn't wear the veil. Yes. Um, they, they would flash their tits. <laughs> we thought we were more uh, spiritual than religious, really. <laughs> we, uh, we had to look up the general uh, daddy character. And uh, apparently that is true. Yeah, he had been a, a communist yeah. commander during oh, yeah. most of the war. Communist. Yeah, yeah. And, he and he only like, switched at the end. But he's also a fucking warlord. That's that's the the yeah, ridiculous part of this movie. I, I actually have to say, I realized, and I said this to Felix. I remember. I'm trying to think of how often I heard the word warlord. At the beginning, the, one in, time yeah, they said well, we yeah. got to hook up with a warlord, and that's but, it. But no, during the actual. Um, you know, post nine eleven, you know, war, and then people started bringing up warlords, and it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, that sounds terrible. But like, uh, I don't actually technically know what warlord is. I mean, I know what people mean when they say it, but maybe it's one of those words like terrorist that I have a general. Well, it's a guy with an with. army who controls territory on the basis of having a military. Yeah, basically, a if, tin pot despot. Yeah, if you've got a cool outfit. If you have some sort of entourage, some a cool nickname, yeah. If you have a beard like Matt's, yes, anything like that, that makes you a warlord. You'd be a great warlord, Matt. Oh, I'd be an amazing warlord. I'd be one of those decadent warlords in a palanquin, and they bring me in like pulled by fifteen guys, and then I order a village to be executed. Instead of feeding, oh, I can see you eating an entire rotisserie chicken in your little canopy. Oh yeah, like going <laughs> over there, uh, Grenadier. Bring them to me. It would be a warlord that looks like Rib Kid most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> that would be carried in a canopy shaped like a crock. Instead of bringing women to dance for your amusement, they bringing posts for you to read and get <laughs> mad about. <laughs> uh, TED Talk too. We hear a lot about warlords. What about a peace lord? So they keep so in the second act of this movie, they keep insisting that these are the stakes. The Green Berets are going to help this warlord retake Mazari Sharif, which is the key to Afghanistan. And if and if we don't take it, uh, we're going to lose the war, which is a very strange thing to think about right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we kept all feeling very Mandela effect. So we we allied with the Northern Alliance, which was basically just a collection of these warlords. There was Daddy, and then there's another warlord who comes in later in the movie that Daddy doesn't like because they're Tajik versus Uzbek. And they keep saying things like, you know, uh, you know, we know you hate the Taliban. This is your city. Fight for it. And it's like, why? Because he just has a big fucking ethnic army? 
he's our ethnic army guy. For like a day. He's been for like, for like a week. He uh he let movies play when he was in charge. You know? That's it. Movies. I have to yeah. find out what movies he let them play before <laughs> I support They were him. all Woody Allen films. Mm. It was Gosford Park. All right. We need to call it an airstrike on this piece of shit. They, they were all Woody Allen movies, but he showed it to the people who, would, unfortunately, he inadvertently showed it to the people who would go on to do 9-11, and that's why they did it. <laughs> Nothing happens in these movies. We must strike back at the heart of this degeneracy. What if that was Saeed Katib's origin story? He watched, like, Hannah and her sisters, and he's like, this is so boring. <laughs> the West must fall. Has this, by, has this guy ever been out of Manhattan? <laughs> So everyone, so they they say constantly movies like these are the stakes, and it, and it gets it's smaller and smaller each time. Like at one point, there's a uh, a, a truck shooting rockets. And it's like we've got to take out that truck, or we'll lose the battle. If we lose the battle, we won't take Mazari Sharif, and if we don't take Mazari Sharif, we'll lose the war in Afghanistan. Yeah, and it's like I'm sure that would have happened. We didn't instantly take Mazari Sharif. We would have been like, well, we're going home. <laughs> and looks like we, uh, we will we, stand for this. And we, we did. Got licked. We did win. After all, we took Afghanistan and then it slowly went away. And now it's basically just the president of Afghanistan is the mayor of Kabul and they have no run outside of there. And it's a war torn hellscape. Well, repeatedly at, at several points, like Chris Hemsworth will say something like, uh, you know, if we don't win here, then the whole fucking country is going to be a terrorist training camp. And what happened on September 11th is going to happen over and over and over again. Or and then like in the last push, you know, to capture this one mountain pass, they're like, "This is it, guys. We have the chance to drive Al Qaeda out of Afghanistan forever." Yeah, and they How'd even go? they even face off against when they're facing off against the Taliban towards the end. One of the units they the, they make pains to say, "This is Unit Fifty Five, Foreign Fighters. They're Al Qaeda." And at one point, when they're spying them with their glasses, they somehow see like a flag or something, and they go, "Oh, those are the Al Qaeda guys." So they get to actually kill the Al Qaeda guys, and it's not just the Taliban; it's specifically the Al Qaeda yeah. guys well, who did nine eleven. Taliban just totally interchangeably throughout this movie. Yeah, but they specifically bring them in at the end to be the guys that they fight, so that they can feel like they're getting revenge for nine eleven. If the horse soldiers just went out into the middle of the field and reenacted Mister Hands until they got <laughs> ripped apart by fifty cal's, Afghanistan would be exactly the same how it is now. <laughs> Correct. Literally zero stakes move. And well, the thing is, is so oh, yeah. on, you got two problems with stakes. One is the knowledge throughout the thing that nothing these people are going to do is going to matter. Secondly, it is that the actual contours of their job, as we said earlier, are okay. So we move to the front line. We see where the Taliban are. We call in an airstrike, and they get blown up. Yeah. Then but, we move forward. We see them again. We call it in. We blow them there's up. There's at least a hundred airstrikes. You, in this yeah, movie. it's I mean, just a pure domination of the world's largest military against a ragtag uh, uh, poorly developed force with no air force i mean that's the thing though it, it circles back to how fucking bland the characters are how shitty the dialogue is how there's zero development of any of them it's like you can have a movie where you know what happens 10 years down the line where you know it's a futile cause or whatever futile yeah we made titanic right and it's shout out to jimmy you're the king. You would never make this piece of shit. But um, you actually need to develop the characters to do that. Yeah. They just did neither in this case. They didn't present anything with any stakes, nor did they have... Literally any of the characters with Michael Shannon could have died, and we would have not have noticed. 
Well, that's the other you. thing. Um, spoiler alert: none of the twelve strong guys die at all, and none of them are even like minorly imperiled. Yeah, like, one, one guy well, hurts his Michael knees. Shannon gets Michael Shannon. Okay, he gets injured and he he has to be medevac. He gets injured when in a column of a yes. wave of uh, surrendering Taliban soldiers. Yes, and he's like, "Lay down your arms. We're, you were surrender to us." And then one of them, of course, just detonates a suicide bomb and blows half of them up. Yep. Just a perfect little using, example of why they can't be trusted and using our values against and us. And you can't have that kind of softness. You have to kill them. And so even though they didn't show it, it's just sort of a sub rosa justification for the fact that while this was happening in real life, the Northern Alliance was just packing shipping containers with Taliban prisoners who they literally suffocated to death. <laughs> uh, also, the movie just destroys the stakes explicitly. When back in base camp, Rob Riggle finds out that, oh, these guys are, they're, they're, uh, they're doing the wrong thing here. They're on horses. That's stupid. We didn't approve that. Uh, let's just send the other team of better guys with, with a different warlord to take Mazari Sharif first. Yeah, so basically you're just rooting for them to have their guy do it. Well, you're rooting for them because uh, Chris Hemsworth has to learn a lesson from Daddy about having a warrior's heart. But Does- again, you don't, the, you're only... Pre-war character development of Chris Hemsworth is like, he has a daughter. That's it. That's it. He was very unhappy about 9-11. Why would you give a shit if this guy learns how to become a man on the battlefield? What, like, so, I hope he has PTSD when he comes home and sees his daughter. (laughs) I hope he has the experience of killing several people when he goes to raise her over several years. At the end of movies like this, they shouldn't uh, just say what happened to each guy. They should say which ones were cheated on by their wives yeah. and, well, how, and how many times a number a tally or, each one or which ones saw navy seals stealing pallets of cash tattled on them and then got immediately murked by the seals <laughs> you know what else is the other thing about this movie this proves what we've always thought we were talking about this the other day green berets virgins navy seals chads yeah now we, the the navy seals don't take shit from anybody they they deal the opium they deal the guns they fucking pill for money. They strangle anyone who gets in their way. They leave the force and then become uh, rapist governors and heads of international mercenary armies. But do they have horses? They don't need horses. No, they, they have, are horses. First of all, they have seals. <laughs> they ride to work. Yeah. They all work oh. in Venice. I do have a theory that I want to develop further on a future show that the Navy SEALs are essentially the skull and bones of the 21st century national security state. It's where like the future elite is honed and, and initiated into the secrets of power. The Navy SEALs are like the Green Beret, every special force that we have, their job is just to like walk around, shoot people in the back of the head, give people pallets of cash. But only the SEALs are so bold as to say, I want to skim off that pallet. Yeah. We're gonna do an entire SEAL episode. We gotta do a SEAL been, episode. We've been like talking about it, it's like Whoa, this guy who's a notorious piece of shit is a SEAL. This guy is. And there's this weird story about the Navy SEALs killing the guys in, in Africa. Yeah. It's These, a very interesting organization, to say the least. They rock. I respect 100% what they do. So the, so the movie... I mean, it's hard. Like, I, I realize that like, trying to narrate what happens in this movie presents some difficulties for doing the podcast. Because like, nothing really happens. No. It. It's no. very hard to describe. They like, go to a position. No, they They... They need to bomb it, and then they have to contrive some reason to make it somewhat more dramatic than just calling in coordinates and waiting for bombing. So one time, the bombing is missing, so they have to get closer and dangerously close so that they can 
may be more accurate in their uh their call in or something or oh no they're uh, the plane's out of fuel so we can't get uh bombing for a few minutes and we have to shoot it out they always have to add, it's it's like it's like a night boat there's always a fjord. <laughs> it's like there's always some contrived reason to make it not as blankly grindingly technological as they're the bad guys let me call in the airstrike okay well here's the climax of the movie daddy's troops have left because he doesn't like the other uh, um, warlord that wants to America get there first. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they don't like each other because the guy that the Taliban assassinated a few days before 9-11 was the only one keeping the whole thing together. So Chris Hemsworth guys have to go alone and, uh, I don't know, reach Masri Sharif No, the big, the big climax of the movie is they have to reach a pickup truck with a bunch of cool rockets on the back of it. They're trying to cut off reinforcements to Masri Sharif from a pass, and that's where they ambush a bunch of taliban and al-qaeda guys and stop a katayusha a battery yeah, yeah yeah so there's there's a battery there and they're like we have to stop this battery we we we, we got to do it. we got to cut it off if this one truck is holds the key to the future of afghanistan yeah if we don't do it yeah then and that is where we have a scene that apparently occurred in real life of the troops charging a taliban position on horseback firing from the saddle that did happen apparently but in real life, it was just the Afghan soldiers. But here, we've got fucking Chris Hemsworth and his Green Berets riding on the... They're literally appropriating heroism stealing from the valor. Afghans. They're stealing, they're stealing valor. 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 They're valor theft because it's cool. Because they're not really the horse soldiers of Afghanistan if they don't charge into battle on horseback, even though that never fucking happened. So it turned out the horses were the most powerful weapon all along. Yeah. And in what pissed me off so much was, I guess, the dramatic climax of it, where they corner the mullah and uh, who's trying to drive away in a shitty car and his car gets stuck. And daddy comes up to him and just raises a gun at him and he says something in a foreign language and then shoots him. And that's it. And we have no idea. The what movie did not provide a subtitle to that. We were watching the movie with subtitles on and all it just said was other foreign language. There were so there were like dozens of cool things he could have said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, car trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Call AAA. That's a good one. Say hi to the virgins for me. Uh, what did you say? School's out. School's out. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That would have been good because it would have been a callback to him killing the teacher. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, like the, the Taliban commander at the end tries to flee the battlefield cowardly. And I was like, well, I respect his anti-school agenda, <laughs> but I'm not. But this leaving the battlefield thing is really for the birds. Yeah, he you just, are an officer. See, that's the thing. We got so mad. You get mad at him for shooting the school teacher, but he was just reading N plus one magazine. <laughs> <laughs> the new inquiry. Uh, inquiry. Doesn't feel so good, does it? Inquiry, <laughs> inquiry also is correct. Yeah, if you're English. Uh, Do you say aluminium? Tally ho. <laughs> Tally ho. Are you calling a ho? So, closing thoughts on 12 Too strong. much soldier. Not enough horse. The horses didn't even have names. That's, That's true. true. Yeah, Barely yeah. any horse interaction. There's there wasn't a scene where one of the horses led the guy off and he couldn't stop it. And he's like, no. That would have been funny. Hilarious. Uh, Nobody got thrown off the horse. Yeah. Or one guy who like cartoonishly can't ride a horse. Or the guy trying to 
pull the horse by the reins and he's got to dig his heels in yeah. and the horse is dragging him like away that. comically. One or- cartoonishly fat horse and the horse looks at him and runs away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd be great. Dude, Nobody that'd be rides awesome. backward on the horse. <laughs> yeah. uh, the horse doesn't like what it's being fed so, so they have to feed the horse their own rations ooh, and they're really ooh. upset about it. Someone smokes weed around the horse and the horse gets a second yes. so, Yeah, yeah. He gets really hungry. I guess the horse likes Hindu Kush. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well... Hollywood, please hire us. My final the note. The script doctors. <laughs> My final note on this movie. There exists a, a story about soldiers, men at war, noble killers, people who stand on the wall and protect us, and untamed beasts. The beasts we have to tame to mend the fences between man and man. It explores their complex relationships with these animals, <laughs> the danger they face, and the insanity and dark comedy of war. It's called Operation Dumbo Drop, not this movie. <laughs> um, my, my closing thoughts on the movie is it brings to mind the classic uh, Mystery Science 3000 rule in the film uh, episode uh, Overdrawn at the Memory Bank, which is never remind the audience of a better movie in the middle of a shitty movie. I sort of did this to myself, self-imposed rule, by watching Lawrence of Arabia last week, and that movie has been on my mind ever since rewatching it. And it struck me because it's basically the same plot as this movie. You know, a uh, crazy British officer goes into the middle of fucking nowhere to link up with uh, the locals and fight against the Turk. But, you know, Lawrence of Arabia had a better score. And the point of that movie was that T.E. Lawrence was pretty much insane and kind of wanted to die. So the Horse Soldiers movies had that basically the same plot points. But all the shit T.E. Lawrence did was a million times more impressive than this shit. And uh, just Lawrence of Arabia, David Lean's 1962 masterpiece starring Peter O'Toole, Alec Guinness, Anthony Quinn, and Omar Sharif. uh, Five Bags of Popcorn, an all-time masterpiece. Watch that movie, not this. Also watch Stripes. Watch The Matrix. Watch anything. <laughs> the Don't watch about, one of these movies. Don't encourage These movies you. are so bad. These are, and it's really depressing how bad they are and how they keep getting made. This is the only genre of movie that probably upsets me more than the superhero laser green screen movies, the Christian Amanpour war movies. The, Get rid of them. so dispiriting. Just if you have any hope in your heart that we might wise up and get the fuck out of Afghanistan and realize what a just disastrous horror show we've created there. Just think about the fact that in the year 2017, someone made a movie about the opening days of the Afghan war with the general fucking gist being watch the crucial moment where we won the war in Afghanistan. They're making that movie in 2017 when the war in Afghanistan is the longest running war in American history where we're only a year or so away from someone who was born the day it started being eligible to fight in it. And you can fucking spend tens of thousands millions of dollars and use Hollywood actors to tell a triumphant story of what we've accomplished in Afghanistan that there is no real cultural embrace of exactly what we've done there and as such no pressure to end it which means it will just continue going on with its own horrible zombie logic until the end of time my closing thought is we should have done Chappaquiddick (laughs) (laughs) these movies it's like you take a huge family sized bag of chips and you eat them all 
but they're Fritos. You're just chewing Ew. for like just Fritos nothing with any seasoning on it. Just sort of salt and corn until uh, you're exhausted. Fritos you're just exhausted, but you're bloated. You spent a lot of calories, but for what? For Fritos. They're delicious. You like Fritos? Yeah. They're great. I like Fritos in small amounts. They're yeah. very salty. See, yeah, I, I will admit that I only have ever eaten them in the small the bag. Fritos is like Ned Flanders' his favorite chip. They're way too spicy for Ned Flanders. <laughs> you think they're spicy? You Can, fucking honky. Till next time, guys. No. <laughs> they're too spicy for Ned Flanders. If you buy a big bag of Fritos, you are a psychopath. You are nuts if you do that. <laughs> <laughs>